Hi, Steve here. Yesterday I got a haircut and I talked to the girl that was cutting my hair. And what she told me was probably like the majority of people in this country. She didn't really care about what was going on. I tried to share with her some information about this COVID-19 and some of the people involved in it. And she didn't really care. And she said so. She said it really didn't matter to her. She just does her job and she tries to, you know, just live her life, just go about her business every day and do what she's got to do. And she'll wear the mask as long as it takes. And maybe someday we'll be able to throw them away and just put them in a big pile. But I found that her complacency and her apathy about knowing the truth about anything was really disheartening. But the main thing is, is what does the Bible say about this? It's really sad because maybe you've never cracked open a Bible in your life, but let me just tell you what the Bible says about people that have this apathetic, complacent attitude that don't really care about what's going on as long as it doesn't touch my life, because it will. How long, O oh, naive ones, will you love simplicity and scoffers delight themselves in scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I'll make my words known to you. Because I called you and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention and you neglected all my counsel and you didn't want my reproof. I will even laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes on like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come on you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They wouldn't accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they will eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the people that turn away, the waywardness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Being complacent and apathetic about what's going on isn't gonna make it go away. Mr. Besmianov was born in 1939 in a suburb of Moscow. He was the son of a high-ranking Soviet army officer. He was educated in the elite schools inside the Soviet Union and became an expert in Indian culture and Indian languages. He had an outstanding career with Novosti, which was the, and still is, I should say, the press 
arm or the press agency of the Soviet Union. It turns out that this is also a front for the KGB. He escaped to the West in 1970 after becoming totally disgusted with the Soviet system, and he did this at great risk to his life. He certainly is one of the world's outstanding experts on the subject of Soviet propaganda and disinformation and active measures. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his balls, then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense, an economy, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. 
the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kind of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. Your leftists in the United States, all these professors and all these beautiful civil rights defenders, they are instrumental in the process of the, of the uh, uh, subversion only to destabilize the nation. When their job is completed, they are, non, they are not needed anymore. They know too much. Some of them, when, when they get disillusioned, when they see that Marxist-Lenin has come to power, the, obviously they get offended. They think that they will come to power. That will never happen, of course. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. But they may turn into the most bitter enemies of Marxist-Leninists when they come to power. And that's what happened in Nicaragua. You remember most of these uh, former Marxist-Leninists were either put to prison or one of them split and now he's working against Sandinistas. It happened in, in uh, uh, Grenada when Maurice Bishop was, he was already a Marxist. He was executed by, by a new Marxist who was more Marxist than this Marxist. Same happened in Afghanistan when uh, first there was Taraki, he was killed by Amin, then Amin was killed by Babrak Karman with the help of KGB. Same happened in, in Bangladesh when Mujibur Rahman, very pro-Soviet leftist, was assassinated by his own Marxist-Leninist military comrades. It's the same pattern everywhere. The, the time bomb is ticking, that every second... If you don't realize it already, you need to understand that we're living in the official world of the insane, where everyone is quite sure a new coronavirus was discovered in China, and the worthless diagnostic tests mean something, and the case numbers are real and meaningful. Once we execute all those absurd maneuvers, we'll land squarely in the middle of another scandal, this time at our favorite U.S. agency for scandals, the CDC. The fake COVID numbers in Texas exposed the CDC and the NIH for artificially inflating the spread of the virus. And the fraud exposed from footage of the coronavirus task force head, Dr. Anthony Fauci, taking his mask off immediately after ending an interview. So as this COVID-19 hoax continues to build the fear and the economic destruction in America, we have all the other little minions of the New World Order working overtime to strengthen their lawlessness. In a virtual meeting Tuesday, Democratic representatives Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley announced their proposal they've dubbed the BREATHE Act, part of the agenda designed by the Movement for Black Lives. The squad that also includes female Democratic Socialists Ilan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said that it offers a new version for public safety that affirms black lives. So 
How do they want to affirm black lives? They want lawlessness to help society. The act contains a number of policies, including defunding the police, decriminalization of illegal border entry, abolishing ICE, removal of police from public schools, elimination of all state gang databases. Mm. The BREATHE Act would devote tax dollars to design reparations for mass criminalization, including the war on drugs, the criminalization of prostitution and police violence, border violence, and the systematic violation of the U.S. government's treaty obligations to tribal nations. Salib said it would also spend funds to examine the political, economic, and social impacts of colonialism, genocide against indigenous people, and slavery. We must invest in a new vision of public safety, she said. This is definitely not a new vision of public safety. But what it is in reality is a vision of total and complete lawlessness, putting them in total control and you at their mercy. But unfortunately for them, they're being used and will be spit out like all the others that believe this socialist deception. If America only knew this was the plan and revealed the same year as the title of George Orwell's book, 1984. This headline should prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Constitution of the United States is not even looked at as the law of the land. Because if it was, we wouldn't even need the so-called Supreme Court to rule in this case at all. We already know the Supreme Court does not uphold the Constitution. They legislate with a black-robed, untouchable authority. Supreme Court delivers win for religious liberty, protecting religious schools from non-discrimination suits, it says. This is already a given in the Constitution of the United States, but they don't use the Constitution or even refer to it unless it suits their needs. The ruling doesn't exempt religious institutions from all secular laws, but it does make it clear that the government should not encroach upon their autonomy with respect to internal management decisions that are essential to the institution's central mission. In other words, you won't be fined if you don't hire a homosexual to work in your children's church preschool. Or in reality, you won't allow the ungodly to infiltrate your church. If you look at how this has evolved, it started with so-called celebrities coming out of the closet and then it turned into a social justice equity presentation until finally it turned into an activist militant shoving it down our throats. As a Christian, I'm not at war with alternative lifestyles. It's God who is against what they practice and that's what makes the church an enemy of lawlessness. Anytime you call out sinners for living in sin, they hate it and their response to the truth will be according to how hard their heart has become. Did you know that Planned Parenthood clinics received COVID-19 relief funds? Yeah, so while we all cry out to defund Planned Parenthood, they continue to scam and take advantage of the situation again. A total of 43 Planned Parenthood affiliates received emergency federal aid intended to keep small businesses afloat during the pandemic, according to documents released Monday by the Small Business Administration. The amount of aid varied from $150,000 up to $10 million. Planned Parenthood received somewhere between $65.8 million and $135 million from the CARES Act Paycheck Protection Program.
Could it be any more obvious to you and me that the deep state operation is still rolling right along? The abortion giant should have been ineligible since Planned Parenthood employs more than 16,000 nationwide with assets totaling over $2 billion. Several Republican senators demanded answers from the Small Business Administration. They reminded the Small Business Administration that those loans should have never been made to Planned Parenthood. They were asked to return the money with a warning that it would face severe penalties if it did not. So far, Planned Parenthood has not repaid any of the millions they received. Kanye West says Planned Parenthoods have been placed inside cities by white supremacists to do the devil's work. I can't really argue with that. Since Kanye has become a born-again believer, he no longer is pro-abortion, but now he's pro-life, and he's speaking out about the reality of Planned Parenthood. They're an abortion mill butchering and destroying millions of human lives. Something only Bill Gates will be able to do with his vaccine. According to Amnesty International's report, Torture is the systematic and deliberate infliction of acute pain in any form by one person on another in order to accomplish the purpose of the former against the will of the latter. The report then uses Biederman's chart of coercion to describe the technique. Psychologist Albert Biederman studied communist Chinese tactics known as DDD, debility, dependency, and dread. The CIA has been trained to use debility, dependency, and dread. And according to their 1983 Human Resource Exploitation Training Manual, many psychologists consider the threat of inducing debility to be more effective than debility itself. With DDD, the debilitated victim becomes dependent upon the torturer and develops a strong fear of anything vague or unknown. Biederman's chart of coercion lays out the design of DDD. Does any of this sound familiar? Number one, isolation. We see this with quarantines and social distancing and the prohibition of crowds and large gatherings. Number two, monopolization of perception. Corporate mainstream media has monopolized all of pop culture, and those on social media who challenge the mainstream narrative are censored. Also listed is restricted movement and monotonous food. Number three, induced debilitation and exhaustion. Gym closures, church closures, losing your job, school closings, and wearing masks all day long increase stress and provokes exhaustion and debilitation. Number four, threats. We are threatened that our own children may be taken away from our homes and that experimental forced vaccines are coming. We are told that more will die if we restart America. And we are threatened with tracking chips, contact tracing, and a new normal. Number five, occasional indulgences. Here we find fluctuations of interrogators' attitudes, such as BLM protests are good, Trump rallies are bad. Walmart is okay, but small businesses are not. The torturer will provide occasional indulgences such as rewards for partial compliance. If you just wear a mask, someday we can return to normal. 
Number six, demonstrating omnipotence and omniscience. Shutting down the entire global economy was a pretty good demonstration of omnipotence. Huge fines and jail for people not wearing a mask. We see the omniscience with Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, and other official experts. Number seven is degradation, being called non-essential or a science denier, being treated as ignorant fools and called names by celebrities for not complying. Number eight, enforcing trivial demands. This final step develops habits of compliance, enforcement of minute rules, such as standing six feet apart, following arrows, and showing support for violent BLM protests. Also, according to the report on torture, many victims become ill as a result of coercion, and more than half the illnesses listed in the report can be easily diagnosed as COVID-19 according to CDC guidelines. Do you really think that this is all a coincidence? Or are the people of the world being subjected to an advanced form of torture, coercion, and mind control?